Hi, this is Dr. Emily Diadamo. I'm here with Dr. Peter Diadamo. Uh, in our first podcast that we've done in a little while, and we're, today we're gonna be talking about a reformulation of a fan favorite product on the Diadamo personalized nutrition line, which was formerly known as Histona, and today we're calling Immunosynergy. Hi, Dr. D. Hi, Emily. I'm really excited about this podcast, and I hope that this will be the beginning of a new round of podcasts that are come out a little bit more frequently, since there are a lot of amazingly new formulations that we're working on that I think people would love to know more about in terms of a deep dive on the technical basis. Uh, the Histona product has been in the product line at, at uh, Diodamo Nutritionals for, oh, maybe about seven or eight years. And it, it has a, a good uh, fan base, a good uh, a number of positive reviews, mainly because of its abilities as an anti-inflammatory. It's a, it's a fan favorite, definitely. And it now going by Immunosynergy, I think, really hits the nail on the head in terms of what it's going for, mainly because it's, it's got these powerhouse components that are synergized with things that help them become very active physiologically. The main active constituent that we're going to be highlighting today is something called Scutellaria bicolensis, also known as Bicol or Chinese skullcap. So before we get into why it's so amazing as a pharmacological agent, I know you know a little bit about the history. Why don't we chat a bit about that? Well, Chinese skullcap or scoot is a renowned botanical in traditional Chinese medicine and in the um, Japanese form of traditional medicine known as kampo, where it's used uh, for a variety of different indications, including uh, inflammation and uh, low hormone function. It's uh, renowned for basically increasing mental clarity, having somewhat of a stress-relieving capability. It's used in a lot of these particular Chinese uh, formulas for its effects in uh, controlling uh, inflammation and infection. And we'll go through the specifics of the actual medicinal parts of the plant, which will explain how, why this plant can have so many different incredible indications. Uh, it's actually a rich source of a variety of different compounds known as flavones, uh, which are actually uh, water-soluble antioxidant-type molecules typically found in, in botanicals. Emily, you want to go to bat and go through some of the ingredients? Yeah, absolutely. So scoot it really can be broken down into four flavones that work very effectively together and independently. So uh, with these water-soluble antioxidants, what we what we have done is a number of studies that look at the individual effects of each flavone. And so there are four of them. The first, one of the kind of lesser chatted about is something called aroxalin A, which is actually uh, really effective as an anti-inflammatory on its own, inhibiting something called the NLRP3 inflammasome complex, which is an effective way to tamper inflammation. Sure, that's a chain reaction in our immune system that is primitive and has to do with how we recognize potentially dangerous things on a very, very gut level. Mm -hmm. Before even we had immune systems, we had these earlier types of immune systems that we share with simpler organisms that don't have as sophisticated an immune system as ours. And one of those is the inflammasome. Um, and so activating the inflammasome is a kind of a generalized way the body protects itself, sort of shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> and anything that tamps that down is very effective in situations where that reaction may be misguided and directed not necessarily as an, at an invader, but paradoxically at the host itself, in other words, leading to things like autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it, it's definitely very, it's a primitive design. And, and you can also see that in its inhibition of two what we call acute phase reactants, which are the first uh, inflammatory markers that we throw into the fire when we've recognized something that's going to inflame us. Those being IL-6, the main causer of a fever when we get ill, and tumor necrosis factor alpha. So there'll be a test on this later on the end of the podcast. But remember that we're talking here about the first of the ingredients, aroxylin A, one of the lesser known, and yet when you contemplate the pharmacology of it, one of the more distinctly anti-inflammatory components. Yeah, totally. It, it's actually something I think deserves its own attention and probably its own podcast. Now, if you go into PubMed, you'll see that there are literally thousands of studies on this plant. And one of the ones that gets most focused on is the next ingredient, which is probably the one that is uh, most known in people who are in uh, botanical medicine uh, professionally, and that's the uh, Flavon Wogenin, W-O-G-O-N-I-N. Yeah, this is also a rock star for different reasons, actually. Instead of being, you know, this this intense anti-inflammatory like the other constituents, Wolganin is actually more of um, more of an anti-anxiety, uh, what we call an anxiolytic in the business. Right, it's an anxiolytic, very similar to the benzodiazepines, most uh, well known of which is Valium. Uh, but the interesting thing about Wolganin, and when you compare it to uh, Valium, is that it fits the anxiety receptor that Valium occupies, but it doesn't actually have the other effects associated with Valium, such as uh, fatigue and, and depression. So it actually just pops the anti-anxiety button, but doesn't pop the depression, fatigue, and cognitive loss functions that you're associated with Valium as well. Absolutely. So Wogenin is also very special and, and really kind of adds to the, the well-roundedness of Scutellaria as an herb itself. The last two are probably the ones we're going to be spending the most time chatting about today because they have an interesting relationship as part of a formula, but also between one another. And they are bicoline and bicolin. And if that doesn't get confusing enough, they're almost spelled identical. But there are two unique aspects of one that is utterly dependent on the other. <laughs> and that. the final product, which is the one we're most interested in, is called bicolin. And that is the one that has the majority of the medicinal applications of scutellaria. But bicolin is the result of the conversion of a predecessor molecule known as bicoline. And that's why we're having this podcast, because the magic of the immunosynergy product is the ability of the product to control that conversion in a way that's independent of certain things that may be there or absent in specific people. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But in essence, do you ever wonder why somebody might take an herbal formula and come back and go, this thing changed my life, it was wonderful, I had all these wonderful results, and their friend takes it and says, I actually had no result whatsoever. Well, there are variations in how people respond to things, and it turns out that there may be genetic variations in how the molecule gets activated or how the body responds to it. But in the case of scutellaria, it's the conversion of bicoline into the more active bicolin, which is where the secret sauce is. <laughs> because ultimately, that is variable from person to person based upon a function in your intestinal tract that is controlled by bacteria that you may or may not have. 
And that function is something called beta-glucuronidase, which is an enzyme that certain bacteria release, allowing us to effectively unwrap some of the glucuronidation that we apply to molecules. That allows us to transmit or transform bicaline into bicalin. Before we get too much into that, which is something we've included as part of the synergy formula, is, uh, you know, bicaline deserves probably, again, another podcast. Right. But I, I love bicaline. I studied this a lot in school. And part of the reason I love it so much is it really effectively flanks inflammation from both ends. So it's a great way to not only prevent inflammation, and it does so by blocking both that tumor necrosis factor, so that acute phase reactant, that first step of inflammation, but also something called myeloperoxidase, which is a, a white blood cell function that's happening. It's very intense. Only molecule known to be associated with sunspot activity. That is really interesting. So uh, bicaline, and then another whole world of bicaline is just how amazing it is when it comes to both acute and chronic infections. So there's been a ton of research into the anti-biofilm activity of bicaline, the anti-H. pylori growth and virulence element of bicaline, the anti-Lyme elements of bicaline. It's also very protective against a certain type of pneumonia caused by strep pneumo. And it's very strong against the Epstein-Barr virus. Right. And I think that that is really a not well understood nor appreciated even in the field of natural medicine is just how ineffective a broad-spectrum antimicrobial scutellaria is and the ability for perhaps maybe us to look at the opportunity of having a, an agent that might address some of the consequences of that long mm-hmm. Lyme disease trajectory that many people have where the organism is present perhaps maybe or not, but the immunological consequences, the, the footprint of the organism on the immune system is, is still playing out. And I think that there is published studies that show that bicaline is effective against the uh, Bergdorfi organism that's associated with the main organism associated with Lyme disease. And the other thing that it really has going for it is, as Emily, as you alluded to, is that it it blocks biofilm formation, uh, which is actually how bacteria can sometimes uh, protect themselves from antibiotics and antimicrobials, but also, too, it's actually how they communicate as a, as a community to exchange information. So biofilms are one of the reasons why uh, bacteria can develop drug resistance and some of the other things that make it difficult to get in chronic infections under control. So a, 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 an agent like a scutellaria, bicaline, that's anti-biofilm, in addition to having components that are antimicrobial, is a, is a beautiful one-two combination. Yeah, and it's also great because it's not your typical herbal antimicrobial that really damages the good bacteria. It seems to really allow for our beneficial or commensal bacteria to remain. So, you know, we love bicaline here. But we but also you need, But you need to convert it into bicaline. Which is our next part of the conversation. So, Dr. D, tell me a little bit about the the landscape that needs to exist so that that conversion can occur. Well, I mean, we have a microbiome inside of our intestinal tract that comprises the sum total of all the bacteria that are so-called friendly flora, the bacteria that reside inside of us. And in exchange for a, a, a home, you know, oftentimes have a, a synergistic uh, relationship with us, synthesizing vitamins or breaking down products that we can then digest and benefit from. Well, 
the major thing, as Emily talked about, was that bacteria are responsible for a chemical reaction called glucuronidation, which is actually part of how your liver goes through a detoxification cycle, but also, too, is part of how molecules become able to be converted biologically into uh, active forms from the more inactive forms that are typically found in the food stuff or in the uh, raw plant. And this is the case in terms of our bicolin, 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 bicolin combination, inter interconnectedness and interconversion. The really, the, the, you want to think about bicolin, the conversion product, uh, is, is sort of like the stronger uh, older brother of this molecule. It just does everything that the other molecule does, maybe a little bit better, a little bit more longer, and it has an additional set of, of benefits that are unique to itself. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've used this a lot in the um, forms that you can get, unfortunately the earlier forms that we, we, we used that didn't account for the conversion process, is with people who are undergoing uh, uh, treatment for cancer, where the bicolin is a inhibitor of certain genes that are part of how a cancer cell achieves immortality. So cancer cells basically lose a regulatory mechanism where they sort of size themselves up and go, you know, there's something inherently wrong with me. I think I'm going to pull the plug on myself and take one for the team. Uh, it's a process called apoptosis. And this is normally how we regulate ourselves in health because you can imagine that in the course of a day when you're making hundreds of millions of cells reproducing, there's just mathematical certainty that some of those are going to go wrong. And so the body has this mechanism that basically kind of allows the cell to go through a kind of a checkpoint analysis of itself. So like when your car sends check engine light, uh, and the cell basically says, you know, this I have a couple of major screw-ups here, so I'm going to just take, a, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of end it all. And what happens is it pops out a new thing on its surface called an apoptosis receptor, and then the immune system comes along and says, thank you very much, we'll take it from here. So your white blood cells come in and go ahead and do a job on it. Well, the first thing that cancer cells often learn is how to do a, a bypass of this check engine light. And so they achieve the ability to no longer pay attention to the altruistic things that a cell should do for itself. And that becomes now, the cell now is no longer in a situation where it's uh, capable of, of uh, sending out a message to the immune system saying, you know, please take me out of the picture here. And on, instead it just kind of now goes to a never-ending reproductive cycle. And it's called immortality in a way, which in a way it kind of is. It's immortal until you die. Um, but the end result is that this wonderful plan inhibits some of the basic genetic markers that are the things that are activated by cancer cells. These things are so smart that they activate genes that turn, on, turn off the other genes that are supposed to be the regulatory genes. And there's a wonderful thing. I think it's in the Talmud. Uh, it's a line that says that the creator... When, does not allow a disease to exist before first planting or implanting the cure. So the idea of the sages who came up with this particular statement was that the supreme being, if one has any belief in those things, is so good that they actually go forward in time, identify the problem, then go backwards in time and leave the solution before the problem is allowed to manifest. 
And it, I think I can see no better example of this than Scutellaria, where this very specific, highly discreet push button that is so in, inactivated by cancer cells is reactivated by a plant that comes out of the soil who has no real purpose for itself to be making these wonderful molecules. It's in the mint family. It has you know, it's very unassuming. Yeah, the, that bicolin is kind of like a cancer cell's long, hard look in the mirror. That's a nice way of putting it. So, you know, I, I also, you know, I just love bicolin because it is so robust. The evidence is so supreme. And it, there are also some kind of unexpected benefits of it. For one, it's what we call a proleal endopeptidase inhibitor. It's a very long enzyme, but what we find is that it has what we call nootropic or brain-stimulating, cognitive-enhancing benefits, very similar to a, a group of, of molecules that people study called the racetams, which are used for cognitive-enhancing benefits. And I think that plays nicely with the other ingredients in the plant that have the anxiety-relieving mm -hmm. aspects. So you're actually getting your anxiety lowered and your cognitive function improves. How many of us, you know, when we're inflamed, when we're infected, we have brain fog? Especially, yeah, with things like Lyme. And, see, it's interesting that these, these plants are just such amazing conglomerates of integrated solutions to complex pathological pictures that sometimes when you have a disorder, it has not just an effect on the physical, but it has an effect on the, the mental and the emotional. And here we are with plants that basically address at the same time one as the other. It's a gorgeous process. I could go on all day, but what I'd love to now highlight is the synergy part of immunosynergy. I think, Dr. D, you're probably the best person in the room to discuss the two main synergists in this formula, which are mixed tocopherols and lactobacillus brevis strain is LBO1. And here we are, just this is the secret sauce. <laughs> this is the thing that is included in the formula that accounts for the human variation in the ability or inability to convert bicolin to bicolin. So now instead of having to depend on something you may or may not have, we go ahead and just make sure that it's there whether you need it or not. Uh, and it's very simple. I mean, although the formula lists mixed tocopherols, uh, it's actually one of the tocopherols called gamma tocopherol that is responsible for inducing increased glucuronidation by the microbiome bacteria of all sorts. There's many bacteria capable of glucuronidation. However, the reason we've put in this specific species of Lactobacillus brevis is that this particular species has been studied and is known to specifically participate in the conversion of bicolene to bicolene. So that's why we're doing this. So in essence, it's like saying, all right, you know, you, you may have the ability, in which case you'll just get a nice bacteria that'll help you and a little bit of vitamin E. But if for some reason, genetically or because of a problem with the bacteria, you cannot make this conversion, we will assist you in that conversion for you. I have to say that the other thing that is part of this new formula is that we went in and came up with a much more precise um, extract of scutellaria with standardized elements. So we now know to a very precise degree the amount of those four constituents well, that we can basically look forward to seeing in the formula. And little things as well. One of the things I, I, I was able to discover uh, is that this formula may have a degree of 
benefit or actually scutellaria conversion to Vicolin might have a little bit of benefit for people with COPD, mm-hmm. uh, con- chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which comes from things like being deconditioned or smoking or things like that. And what happens is you just have a decrease in your respiratory function over time. Uh, and that's also been shown to be a constituent that it has been addressed in studies. Now, the other thing in the formula, the synergy part that Emily was talking about, is the fact that we bundled. I typically love bundling scutellaria with another uh, herb that we get from traditional Chinese medicine and, and Japanese compo, magnolia officinalis. Yeah, magnolia. If you're here on the East Coast, you'll see it. It's one of the first trees to bloom. It's got these gorgeous white and kind of purpley pink on the inside leaves. They're it's it's kind of one of the first signs that spring is here. It's a beautiful tree. It really is. With beautiful blossoms. And it doesn't smell and a lot of it doesn't smell bad. It smells great. Mm-hmm. Some of those spring trees in the in the East Coast aren't so pretty. Now here's the bad news. <laughs> I think the medicine's taken from the bark. It is. Yeah. yeah. So. But hey, we can take those flowers home with us. Yeah. So magnolia Unfortunately, there's no shortage of magnolia trees. So I know, right? It isn't a question of an extinction driven kind of pursuit here. So magnolia is awesome. It's actually kind of uh, almost like a, a sister of scutellaria just in its function because it's all it's on the one hand an incredible anti-inflammatory and we'll get into those details, but it's also very what we call GABAergic in that it supports that peace and calm that comes when we support GABA or amino uh, amino acid neurotransmitter. Yeah, no, no magnolia has in, in in Japanese traditional medicine magnolia is is routinely used for stress and depression. And in J- in Japan, it's one of the most common over-the-counter uh, products that are used by the Japanese public for stress, simple stress, mm-hmm. simple depression, insomnia. Something I love about magnolia is we, we, we chatted a bit about the, the fact that scutellaria does something called flanking inflammation. Magnolia really does this so well, which is it, it, it attacks something called nuclear factor kappa beta from both ends. And this, you know, we, we chat a lot about this in our, in our free time. NF kappa beta is one of the big drivers of inflammation, but it's a very difficult thing to suppress because there are so many ways to get around it and still stimulate it. What magnolia does is it flanks it at both ends, so inhibiting both its up and downstream, uh, you know, brothers and sisters, to make it so that we are tampering inflammation via one of its most effective inducers. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I always thought magnolia was interesting because it, well, everybody pays a lot of attention to one of its ingredients called hanokiol, uh, which has some efficacy immunologically and is really responsible, I think, for a lot of the inflammatory things you were discussing with regard to NF-kappa-beta. But I like the other ingredient, magnolol, which Mm -hmm. is, again, another ingredient in magnolia, because I used to study arterial inflammation with regard to blood groups. And if you look at how arterial inflammation takes place, in particular, when you start to look at it in light of uh, blood groups, you see that there's a progression that goes from um, uh, clotting and viscosity issues to inflammation, to platelet ad- aggregation or adherence, and then the attraction or cholesterol. So even though everybody pays attention to cholesterol, it's really one of the latecomers to the game. In the early stages, you have the viscosity issue, the blood thickening, and you have the inflammatory stuff. And it turns out that magnolol has very profound effects on reducing that inflammatory cascade on the artery wall. So it's actually 
blocking the atherogenesis process at a much earlier stage. And that's super critical because if you go to the stage before it, which is blood thickening or viscosity, well, that's a hallmark of blood type A. Mm. Their blood is m much, na much more naturally thicker and it becomes even more thicker under stress and disease. So if you've got thicker blood and you've got a reasonable amount of inflammation you're ha and you have some platelet activity, you're heading to atherosclerosis. But if you have a natural thickening blood, but you can address the inflammation the next step, you're kind of short-circuiting that whole process. Magnolol used to be put, believe it or not, in, in gum because its effects were in promoting uh, gum health as well. Periodontitis? Period. I can never say that word. I can never say atherosclerosis, <laughs> and you said that really well. So anyway, w really what we love about this fact is these two plants synergize so beautifully with each other. And I think we have here a broad-spectrum inflammation-regulating formula which has applicability towards just tipping the scale in your favor if you're, let's say, dealing with something as as terrible as maybe a cancer diagnosis. You know, what we've done with this plant with regard to people who are getting chemo, we've used it where they were taking it concurrently with the chemotherapy because remember, chemo is a, is a, is a killing mechanism and what we do want to have is cells that basically can get the message that yes, it is time to die. So it's a beautiful one-two thing where the effect of the drug is doing one thing and the herb is actually conditioning your response to be able to get a better end product, end result. Again, if you've got issues with chronic inflammatory things, uh, infectious type of consequences that seem to not resolve, like you would think chronic um, CFS and ME or Epstein-Barr, chronic Lyme's, those kind of things, it probably has applicability in that as well. Chronic pulmonary types of things as well. Am I leaving anything out in? I, no, I just, while I was listening to you, I was just really thinking about how this formula is at the cutting edge of a lot of different elements of what clinical medicine is turning into these days. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at things like athro and considering the fact that that endothelial dysfunction is, at, is where we need to reside. Right. We're we actually, you know, by the time you get to cholesterol, the, the horse is out of the barn. Right. And, and, you know, we're looking at things like inflammation as contributing to downstream chronic health ailments. Right. And what I love about this formula is it's straightforward, it's synergized, but it's also, it's very gentle. So it's not going to be something that's going to wipe out your gut bacteria, but it will have a nice antimicrobial effect. Right. It's a well-researched herb. The dosing that we routinely prescribe is safe and effective and well-tolerated. I've never met a person in my entire clinical history who had a problem with scutellaria. I mean, I'm sure that person might exist, but the reality is that it's a well-tolerated herb. It's a well-studied herb. The combination here is really, I mean, most of you may, some of you may know I love to restore old cars. Um, and restoring, restoring old cars, you're kind of, it isn't the same thing as putting together a new car from pieces of new cars where everything fits and nothing falls apart when you screw it together. Old cars are, are adventures in entropy where everything is rusty and broken and nothing goes back together the same way it came apart. And you, you kind of look at your process where you say to yourself on a, almost an ongoing basis, could I have done this better? Could I have done something uh, more effective? Could I learn? Did I learn something that I could apply going forward? And that's essentially the philosophy that went into making this product. Is is this kind of all right? We had a good product. 
We know that those ingredients are effective, but could we make it better? Were there things that could be improved? And yes, there were, and yes, we did. That's amazing. I thank you for sitting down to chat with me. I I really think it just listening to you speak about your formula and and seeing it and and hearing about the constituents and the synergists. It's clear that your formula skills, your formulary skills, are are intentional and they are really kind of they're a knockout. So <laughs> I think we should we should sit down and probably chat about every single one. I'd like to do this again. We'll we'll, t- we'll tear apart another product. Yeah. Or maybe even have a podcast on products we'd like to make in mm. hypothetical uh, imaginary products. Right. Uh, no, it's great. It's been it's been a joy. Well, and as always, you know, we we are uh, uh, lucky. I, I'm lucky to have um, a co-conspirator in the form of of Dr. Emily as mm. well. And so I think this is going to end the podcast for today. I got patience. I And I have to get back to work on my Volkswagen. So here we are. <laughs> here we uh, are. Thank you very much uh, for taking the time to listen. We'll come back soon, hopefully, with another one of these uh, family get-togethers. Uh, Absolutely. Family sit-down, we'll call this. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and to our listeners, if you have any of the Diadamo personalized nutrition items you're interested in learning a little bit more about, let us know. Send a suggestion, and we might just add it to the list. Wonderful idea. Thank you. Thank you.